Welcome to the Dog Show Show podcast, presented by the Staffordshire Bull Terrier Society of New South Wales and featuring Kim Reader. Oh, alrighty, welcome to a, another episode of the Dog Show Show. I'm, my name is Adam, I'm here with Barbie and of course our expert Kim Reader, and this time another exciting episode. I love the international guest episodes, they're my favourite because it just it makes me feel cool. Now this time we've got Sarah Hemstock, and Sarah is from one of the world's preeminent Stafford breeding families. Is that is that too far to say, Sarah? Is that too much if I've oversold you? Uh, obviously, you've not gone far enough, mate. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. would it be too much Stafford royalty? Would is that too 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 much to go into? Yeah, get in there, get in there. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which which member of the royal family would you be if we no, don't answer. Don't answer. <laughs> clearly. Clearly I'm a princess. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How long how long have you been involved with Stafford's for? Uh my entire life. Your entire life. So you were just born into this. Yeah. You woke you you came out and there was a Stafford staring at you basically. That was it, yeah, basically, yeah. And and how many generations are we talking here of your family being involved? Was it just your parents or grandparents, great grandparents? What are we looking at? Well, my my grandma could remember her grandparents having them. Um, oh. um, he was a yeah, and they had them for fighting basically. That was yeah. Well, that's what they were bred for initially, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was way before showing. Yeah, and way before they were registered as a breed. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah. so they did. I mean, obviously, this is part of the history of the Stafford breed. But they they were involved for 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 fighting. Who was the who were the yeah. people that went? No, hang on, we're going to show these instead. Sorry, who who was the person in your family? Which was it? Your parents or who were the people that said we're going to show these instead? Oh, my dad, my mum, my mum, basically. My mum and dad met. My mum didn't like it. Yep. So, okay. I'll go, I'll, yeah. yeah. Um, Just it, tell oh, us yeah, the story. Yeah, my uncle Joe, that's my grandma. Yeah, my grandma's brother, he was the one who was, you know, led my dad astray in those regards. Yeah. And they used to, in those days, badger baiting was legal, so they used to go badger digging, all that kind of thing. Um and then, <clears throat> yeah, me, me, they used to have various places where, because it was, you know, it was, dog fighting was illegal yeah. in those days. But they'd be, me, me, Gran was a, you know, she had several public houses and several um, off licenses where they sold liquor. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd arrange different things at different places and stuff like that. Um, and then, when my my mum and dad were were born, literally next door to each other, oh wow, on the same street in a town called Huthwaite. Um, and then my mum's my mum and yeah, both my grandmas were friends. Um, and they were both from Gypsy stock as well. Oh. So like, yeah, two of my great grandmas were. Gypsies, like the last travellers in their family before they settled, yeah. which was around about the First World War, or well, before the First World War, when they 
settle because nobody's really like gypsies. So they've always been encouraged to get houses and stuff. So um, so there's that family connection there mm. between both, you know, my mum's side and my dad's side. And yeah, well, so when they were 17, my mum, by that time, my mum didn't really know my dad. They knew each other as, as little kids, probably up to about three. And then my mum's family moved to Skegby which is another little mining village because they're all coal miners. All the fellows were coal miners, not yeah. my grandmas, obviously. <laughs> but, yeah, the fellows were coal miners. And, um, yeah, we got to, they got to 17 and my mum was walking home from school and um, she saw um, a tinker, like they used to go around sharpening knives and flogging bits and bobs. Uh, his horse got shafts by a little brown dog and that was my mum's introduction to Stafford's and that dog turned out to be my dad's dog oh. <laughs> um, yeah oh, so your mom... and there's also yeah your mum met through yeah. your dad through that and then um, yeah basically yeah but my grandma's mum She'd always had dogs. She had two centaurs, um, fox terrier and ofware cockers. She served, so they'd always had dogs. I mean, Nan had been into showing a bit. And, you know, they started Ashfield Canine Society. That's probably about 90 year old now. Mm. Um, her and her, her me auntie, so my mum's me, um, me dad's sister, she had chows as well. And uh, so that was where the showing side came, the interest in showing. Mm-hmm. And also, my me mum's me dad's brother had sold red setters and a Manchester to me dad's dad. So, you know, there's always like, you know, big dog connections mm-hmm. all the way through the generations. Of those two families, and then they came together um, over a dog having a scrap with the pony in, a, in the street. <laughs> That's cool. That's quite a story, isn't it? <laughs> How did your parents uh, meet? There was a dog trying to bite a horse. <laughs> so, so, anyways, yeah. So, when did you start? So, then my mom, my dad got. A pup. When did I? When did I start? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. When did you start showing? Oh God. I'm only 21, but that was in the 70s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I showed my first dog, and that would have been Ringmaster. Only, only messing about with him would have been, um, you know, taking him out in veteran. Um, that were Jolium Champion, Jolium Ringmaster. Wow. Yeah. And then Colin Green, I don't know. So Colin's Mrs. Muriel, her I think uncle, he was one of the people responsible for getting him registered with the Kennel Club. That yeah. were Joe Dunn. Um Colin gave me a pup who was a grandson of um Ringmaster for my tenth birthday. And then I got 
he weren't a great show dog, to be honest, but he was a fantastic dog. Mm. And then that's where I got, you know, started showing him a bit on my own, being a bit more independent. Mm-hmm. As we are at 10. <laughs> yep, yeah, we know. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that got me hooked, yeah. Is that is that like is that a a good way to introduce you know not maybe not the best dog in terms of a show dog but a good dog that would give you a, a good sort of opportunity to test your skills as a handler. Um, I think yeah, it's just like you can't really make a choice, can you? You know, I just picked I just picked a pup. Just show it was available. all down to me. I, yeah, I just picked a pup. I like that one. He was sat on his own. That's why I picked him. Not a great. Method of picking a pup. <laughs> well, when we're 10, we just pick like what we like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. I like that one. I want that one there. And I'm not going to alter my mind. I don't really care. That's the one that I want. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think it, it wasn't done with any intention other than I liked it. Yeah. You know? as, as kids do. And that was it, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, no planning. No great intent. We, we've yeah. got a we've got a similarly independent young woman in our family. She'd probably do the same. I'd suggest. Oh yeah. Same age as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a ten year old daughter as well. She's a bit of a a teenager already. Yeah. Oh yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> we we you are singing our song. I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of um, one of the questions that we have here is about your family's kind of contribution or, or sort of legacy to the dog world and, and your breed. Have you ever thought about that? What would be your your family's contribution? Because the way Kim did describe you to us was one of the world's preeminent Stafford families. Like what what's your family's contribution to that? Well, I'd say they... Well, yeah. Well, my uncle Joey tried to register him as John Bull Terriers way before that was in the twenties, way before they were registered. But that obviously that's not a legacy because it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, but what what I like when I think about Staffords, I know that every Stafford in the world today has got a Jolium dog on the pedigree. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean that. That's like a consequence of numbers and number of years and what have you. Yeah. But they had some extremely, not necessarily popular, but extremely successful sires. Yep. So they had the first Black Brindle champion, that were um, Jolie Mel Toro. He's behind most of in fact, every all the Black Brindles. And then there was um, champion Jolie Dreadnought. He was a red and white dog. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he wasn't used a great deal at stud. He wasn't one of the most popular stud dogs. But he sired loads of champions, not the record number, but he sired, then those dogs went on to produce champions, etc. Mm-hmm. And we've still got an unbroken line of champion sires. From uh, Brindle Mix sired the first champion in the breed, then he sired Brindle Bill, and that one sired, I think it were... Goldwyn's gold leading lad or something, golden lad, whatever, I can't remember. Yeah, um, and then there's an unbroken line of champion sires all the way down to the dog that I've got sat looking at the fire here. Wow. So your, your <laughs> dog now is lines. like the great, 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 yeah, great. Yeah, and it all goes, yeah, 
And it all goes through Jolium Dreadnought and Jolium Ringmaster. Yeah. Um, and then it branches off into like lots of different things from what Ringmaster sired. Yeah. So you've got Bronx Ball, um, and then dogs here that go through Gold um, Rogue Saga and all that lot, and Nordic Chief and all that lot, and all the way down to Domino Flashy Lad. Um, yeah, so that's, to me, that's um, just interesting. And it's all, yeah. you know, obviously from Dreadnought, it's all dogs that I can remember. Well, I can remember his granddad Adonis as well. But, yeah, so it's all dogs that I can remember from my childhood um, all the way through, you know, to dogs I've got now. So am I right in thinking that um, your your dogs go back to before the breed was even recognised as a breed? Is that, is that yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, like yeah, they lineage, do. Yeah. So, yeah, so there was a fellow George Bat. Well, my uncle Joe, he had dogs that weren't registered. He, he sold them to that fella of Lou. Come on, what's what's what was his name? He was Southern Counties, an actor. Oh, George, George something Ball. or other. George Ball. Wall. That's Wall. it. George yeah, Ball. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there was a, a fella called George Bass, Udfer. His stuff went back to me, uh, Uncle Joe's. And it's Udfer stuff that my dad picked up in the the 1950s. Udfer and Nunkagate, because they both went back to me Uncle Joe's stuff, um, which weren't registered. And, like, that... The the Avlu stuff got had papers made up basically, yeah. um, you know. <laughs> but that was when they were a breed anyway. You know, that yeah. was when they were open registrations and everything. So yeah, yeah, we're now trying to get the numbers. Can I just ask you, Jolly yeah. Ham? Where did they get the prefix from, Sarah? Where did that come from? Well, it's it's my mum and dad, Joe and Lionel Hemstock. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's always we always ask that question in our conversations because it's good to know people need to know where the prefixes come from. Yeah. Yeah. So with the um yeah. the lineage, what what line was your was your, was yours M or R or? It was all M line basically. Yeah. That was it. That was all my dad was interested in M line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with with today's well, that's the stuff dogs, that goes back to Brindle. Yeah, with the today's dogs. Um, yeah, can you see the influence in the lines today of of those those old would, yeah, time would, lines? You can. <laughs> yeah, I know this. I know. Okay, I'm a biologist. I've done loads of genetics and stuff like that, but I'm not an expert. Yeah. Um, like the latest thing on this coefficient and stuff like that says that anything like probably four generations back, um, it's not really that influential. But I'd actually disagree. I've got, you know, I've got a dog and a bitch that both are M-line bred, both go back, but through completely different dogs, you know, on those lines, what I was telling you about. Yep. So one goes back on South African lines, other one goes back on um, English, through English champions, 
They're both identically marked. They've both got identical head and expression. And I do mean identically marked, where they've got an actual red circle on the forehead, both in the exact same place and mm. things like that. Mm. So, yeah, okay. I agree with the science. I agree with, like, it's all probabilities, and probability says that, like, you know, six or more generations back, it's not really going to roll. Mm. But we're loading the dice, aren't we, by picking what we want, mm. Mm. you know, as breeders. We're loading those dice. So I pick dogs that remind me of the dogs when I was a kid. So clearly, um, you know, that dice is loaded to produce something that I remember from being a temperament of my dogs are different as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, it's really... It's really deliberate yeah. those choices you're making, aren't they? They're not. You're not accidental. You're not just yeah. doing yeah. it for the sake of it. No, I mean, you know, people have had dogs off me, and they've, they've you know, those the, the temperaments are different. How so? You know, they're absolutely rock solid with people. They don't give a crap if a burglar comes in your house. They'll say hello. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're like very, very people friendly, and you know, can't be trusted with any other. Th- thing basically cats other dogs horses right whatever you know okay yeah they're very um yeah. It's funny, we were having no, this conversation earlier either. actually yeah. about a litter of puppies that's just been recently born that I've been looking at and um I said to the person, is this particular dog in that line? Yes, it is. It's exact. It's one of that dog's puppies, and he would be fifth generation. So you're exactly. I agree with you 100 um, percent there. Yeah. 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 There was a particular that, mark on know, that dog as well, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, you know, and and I can remember all those dogs. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm not saying they belong to us or whatever, you know, but I can remember seeing him in the ring, yeah. shown against him, having him under me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and you know, I go for something that I like, so we're loading that dice. So, I think through the generations, obviously, you're going to get loading towards your preference, aren't you? So, I think a lot of the stuff that's written about Koi and this, that, and the other, it's it's rubbish. But that brings us actually really nicely, yeah. Sorry, no, I was going to say that brings us really nicely because there's there's a question a little bit further down the page, but I think we can ask it now, is like how do you think then the breed is being impacted by the use of things like frozen semen? I mean, I know the dogs you're talking about probably were, were from a, a reasonably um, smallish pool of stock and obviously not that small, but nowadays we've got, you know, we can we can freeze semen and ship it across the world, you know. Yeah. How do you think the breed's affected by that? Is that something that you've done with, with dogs that you've bred or have you stuck to a, a group that you kind of know and love? <laughs> I have done it. I have done it, but I've been very, very unsuccessful because like, on one that was like a great deal of time and expense, I wanted a red dog and I got a brindle bit. Right. And um, and every other time I've done it, I've got nothing. Well, what has what has made a big impact for me because in the UK you can't do the direct implantation. You've got to faff about and do, I don't know, yeah. But anyway, in the UK it's not so good. It's much better where you're allowed to do like direct implantation. Okay. So it's like a little surgical operation where they put it next to ovaries and then it. You know what I mean? Yep. So in the UK it's not as successful. So for me, what's had a massive impact is getting rid of rabies, um, you know, 
uh, what is it, when you had to quarantine, getting rid of quarantine has been massive okay. for me. Because I've brought dogs in, I've sent dogs abroad, okay. uh, you know, and that, that's been a really big thing for me personally. And it's meant that I've sourced different dogs um, to carry that line on. So there's dogs in, you know, Canada, America, um, across Europe. Um, they're my latest boys from Norway. Um you know, and sent dogs to be shown all over everywhere as well, you know, shown and used, yeah. Yeah. So that's been much bigger, more impact for me. But, yes, it does increase the gene pool. It does mean you've got more of a choice. And for somebody like me that's obsessed with pedigrees, um, you know, it, it's been very influential and very useful. So really for you, the ability to... The, the improvement in global transportation has been a, a, a real bonus, yeah. like being able to ship dogs easily across the place. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. because they they got the pet passport into Europe, which they never used to have. Yeah. yeah. And that sort of yeah, thing. If, they could access dogs more in and out. They just drive across and showing each other countries now where they couldn't do that easily before, could they, Sarah? Yeah. No, no, no. That's probably over the last 20 years that we've been able to do that. And I've done, I've, you know, used that regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that it's been great. You, yeah. For us, it's a bit different because we're so far away and we've got the quarantine yeah. laws. So the frozen semen's really yeah, a big option. thing for us. Yeah. Or the best option. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd rather so buy the it, dog, but you anyway. know, <laughs> it's the same benefit, but a slightly different mechanism. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the answer to that question really because you've got a different means of access and you know more availability yeah. because of other reasons yeah 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 whereas that frozen yeah. semen works better for us but just out in the set sheer distance yeah well you know yeah we, we, if we can't get the dog can't buy the dog or bring it in well that's our next best option yeah. which has become yeah. very yeah. much the case because we're so far away but you guys you can just drive across yeah. the Cross the into Europe and do what Just you go. need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, or Ireland so, or wherever I, else. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. And the results for doing that for me have been far more satisfactory than. Oh, don't get me wrong. Every every dog I've got, I've got. I put them on ice, mm-hmm. just for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, for my use. But um, yeah, so far it, I've not been successful with it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's interesting. But, that, but, but that's because of the rules we've got here, you know, they won't let you do a direct implant, so it's bloody stupid. Mm. Well, they tried yeah. to stop it here, but we managed, the greyhound people sorted that out, so we we can still do oh, it. God. But it's, there's yeah. a lot a lot involved with, um, yeah, doing it the other way. But, we, you know, in the early days we had a lot of yeah. success with that before they came up with the surgical yeah. implantation, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, you see, I think it's so, it's so such a rarity in the UK that nobody knows how to do it properly, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've not heard many stories of, of success here anyway. Yeah. Um, it's you, not just me. England wasn't very into it yeah. from the beginning. The rest of us got all a bit excited and got it all happening, but the England sort of had a bit yeah. of an aversion to it from the beginning. Yeah. But I think, you know, as I say, being being a biologist first and foremost that was like my initial training and recognizing that you do need you know although i do line breeding 
and I know the pedigree is inside out, I still like to keep, you know, gene pool as, as wide as I, I can. You know what I mean? So it's like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying is on one hand, like my friend Jack Price, he's got Oxcroft Border Terriers, you know, um, he's had them since 50s. Um, and into working his terriers when it was all legal and everything like that. Mm. Um, he he's really breeds very very closely. But what he says is, if there's you know he goes back, it's all Oxcroft 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 on his pedigrees and has. I mean, I had dogs off him thirty years ago, mm. and they were all Oxcroft then. So, um, he's a probably the most inbred that I've ever come across, mm. but they're still good. There's nothing physically wrong or mentally wrong with those dogs. They're yeah. excellent dogs. And the thing, what he says is, yeah, he knows he knows all the background. If there's no, this is his words, if there's no shit in it, there's nothing to float to the surf. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, they had, all this, they had all this genetic testing with a brain disease that... Um, got found in borders and his were entirely clear right you know all his all, all you know so you know he's right if you know the pedigree is inside out and you know those dogs then yeah you can line breed and you can close breed but as i say all the dogs on my pedigrees aren't jolium 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 like his or oxcroft oxcroft i'll try and get as close as i can to me mum and dad's old stuff yeah but without, you know, without getting the shit to float to the top, if you know what I mean. So it's always a bit of a gamble. So I do try and keep it, you know, relatively um, as open as I can, basically. I would, I would imagine if you, you know, see a dog in France, for example, that has a quality you want, it makes sense to get that dog to yeah. come and breed with your, your in your line, doesn't it? At the end of the day, that's it. Yeah, yeah, and, if- and that's what I've done. Are you? Yeah, one of Julia Arbuthnot's dogs. She's got um, Bully House McTavish, it was. Yeah. Champion dog, fantastic. And got Bogey, who was Australian champion. Mm-hmm. Woodstaff Bogey, William. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I'd imagine you're not going into this blind either. You know, you, you'll then check out their pedigrees and know where they're coming from to understand yeah. whether or not you get a yeah. good dog. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, what do we Julia do before? Much all my life. What do we do before we yeah. had all the testing? If it didn't work out, well, then it didn't work out. We didn't continue with it. Yeah. So, and I think that's that's fine. Yeah. And that, that, yeah. and we knew what was in the lines because we knew the lines so well. We didn't do a test on everything to see what it. We already knew. We mm. could tell you. We didn't need a test because mm. we knew exactly. the lines so well. Yeah. And yeah. that's yeah. If you're a proper yeah, breeder, exactly. you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And and the thing about testing, which I find very annoying, is um, people use it as a witch hunt rather than a tool. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, people use it to diss things rather than say, okay, well, this, you know, this dog's got features X, Y, Z, although it's a carrier for this. You know, they're trying to ban people using carriers for things, which is going to reduce your gene pool. You know, it's counterintuitive to do that. Yeah. Um, use it as a tool. That's what it is. Yeah. 
Well, they you don't know, understand how to breed, I don't believe. That's what the problem is. They don't understand how to, to yeah. breed. If it's a carrier, it's a carrier for a lot of things. It might be a carrier for bad ears or bad mouths, but we can't test for that. So exactly. we just we just breed yeah. on and then work out from there. So if it's a carrier, you just yeah. got to know what to do with um, the outcome of that. And I don't think people are educated in, exactly. in the pros, like you say. They're all about, oh, that dog, dog throws that or as a carrier, get rid of it. When it's got so many attributes. Yeah. 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 And the thing is in Stafford, you see, the attitude is very different from the attitude in numerically small breeds. So, like, if you've got, like, a peer, because, like, I've got Sealies at the minute and I've had uh, mini bulls previously, which are both numerically small. Sealian people are very sensible. Like, they'll limit the time, number of times a dog's used at stud and things like that to make sure that you don't get, you know, you don't reduce the gene pool. Mm. And they'll also use carriers properly, you know, because they've got an eye disease called PLL. I've seen PLL carriers be used and things like that. Same with Ridgebacks. People will use carriers. Put carrier to clear. You're going to get, you know, clinically clear pups. Mm. And then you just watch what you're mounting into. You get them tested for the next generation. And people use it as a tool. But in Stafford's, um, it's, you know, it's, I don't like the attitude. It's yeah. the control of what people are doing, you know, by certain elements in the breed. Um which just shows a lack of understanding to me. Mm. Mm, they don't know how to breed in the first place. No. Yeah, it's just ignorance of mm. the subject. Yeah, mm, it's very, it's very interesting. Let's let's talk dog shows. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm fa- I'm fascinated, and you had me hooked at, you know, the the, the fact about you know all the all the Staffords in the world are sort of trace their lineage back to the dogs that you guys had. That's just incredible. I love that. That's brilliant. 